Welcome back to Showing Up Messy. This is the podcast about the messy parts of the creative process and showing up before we feel ready. And today I am talking with Alan Childs, who is a musician, songwriter. He just released his first EP and we are relatively new friends. We met like a, when did we met, what, a week ago? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, about a week ago. Through a mutual friend, Lisa Radizinski. Hey, Lisa. This is what's up, Lisa. What's up, Lisa? <laughs> I hope you're listening. We're gonna make you listen to this because you brought us together, and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, said we would do the podcast, and here it is. And here we are. We're just proving it to you. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, okay. Well, so. I'm here with Alan, probably within five minutes of meeting you. I was like, I really want to do my podcast with you because I got really excited about your whole life view and the way that you approach um, your life and your music and your art and everything about you. So I'll let you introduce yourself. (laughs) Sure. Well, thank you so much. And I want to start just by saying it's a real honor and gift to be on this podcast. I think this is such a beautiful message and... Uh, I listened to a couple episodes and I just think that it's a really important and and beautiful thing that you're doing. And I felt the same as you when we were talking about our artistic journeys and the fact that we are trying to seek our values through life and through art and being very intentional about that. And I know for both of us, our art, and our lives are, are very much intertwined, and I'm sure that's true for a lot of people, but it makes for great conversation. It does. Yeah, I think there was a moment as we were, um, I just casually mentioned, yeah, I'm trying to live more in line with my values, and then you were like, yeah, I actually drew a cartoon of all of my values, and then I was like, stop, wait, just stop talking for a second, and I just whipped out my cartoons of my values, <laughs> so I was like, well, we have similar ways of processing. <laughs> yeah, that was our first real conversation was uh, she had her notebook with her and she was showing us her cartoons of the values that she's seeking in her life. And it's like, I actually have cartoons of my values hanging on my wall in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. so that could just be a fun uh, suggestion if you feel like making <laughs> your values more a part of your life just draw cartoons of and them. we don't have the same therapist i don't know maybe it's a thing i don't know right this could <laughs> be yeah i don't know it's just weird synchronicity some of us are meant to draw our values um that's great and i i love too we have um you the way that you p- express your art would you say is mostly through music yes so You mentioned I'm a musician. Uh, I am the leader of a rock band that's called Now, and we're releasing our debut EP on June 29th, um, which you got a sneak preview of earlier. Yes. And uh, I'm really excited about it. It's the first time in my whole life. I'm 32 years old, and this is the first time that, I mean, I've put out stuff that I recorded at home and, and whatnot over the last few years, but this is my first what I would call quote unquote real professional release. I mean, it's not on a label, but it was professionally recorded and with my professional musician friends. And um, it's just, it feels, it feels so wonderful. And, you know, I started playing music 
somewhat late in life. I thought it was incredibly late. I was 16 when I picked up guitar. And one of my best friends when I was growing up, he had started when he was like six. And by the time we were 10, he was literally playing like Eddie Van Halen solos and just shredding. And so I thought, you know, I'm too old. Even at 10, I thought I'm too old. Um, But I was actually a really serious athlete, um, a track athlete. And I got injured and I was like, well, it's time. I'm going to pick up guitar now. And um, I would say back then I was more into writing. I, well, first of all, I didn't identify as an artist back then at all. But I loved writing. I wrote for the school paper. Did and, you mostly um, see yourself as an athlete or something else? Yeah, I guess um, an well, more probably a scholar. Yes. <laughs> um, and you were a philosophy major, right? I was. I don't know about the gentleman part, but the scholar for sure. Uh, <laughs> I was really into school and sports also. And I, I definitely had like an achievement complex. Mm. You know, I was trying to be great at everything that I did. And it wasn't, I loved music and I loved the arts, movies, music. Um, from a young age, I was very passionate about it, but it had never occurred to me to do it. It wasn't something that was in my family at all. It wasn't something that I saw around me being a professional writer or a professional musician. And, you know, one thing kind of led to another and I got more serious about it in college. And then I decided after changing my major 50 times and, um, I was a philosophy major in the end. That was the 50th or the 49th change. Um, <laughs> then I uh, I went back to school for guitar, actually, after college. I didn't realize that Yeah, you went to, to get your... Oh, to get your MFA? Is that right? I don't know. It actually... So I went to a school called the Collective School of Music. I'm really happy to plug it in the podcast, actually. It was a wonderful experience for me. It's not a degree-granting school, okay. but that was actually perfect for me because I had my bachelor's already and I really didn't need the degree I just needed the training and a lot of their teachers some of them also teach at Berkeley and they're all just like incredible professional musicians but it's a very small school um, unlike Berkeley and a lot of other conservatories so your classes are like two or three people and um, it was a, a wonderful experience how long was the program I went for two years you can kind of go for as long the two years is what most people do but you can go some they have a lot of international students which is amazing my drummer I met both my bandmates there my drummer is Iranian Um, he replaced uh, a Danish man Mm -hmm. uh, who is also from the school and my bassist is Spanish Um, so they, they have a lot of international students and sometimes people just come for you know a quarter or two but two years was my program that's incredible and so this that's huge. I can't, I can't get over the fact that you thought you were late to the party at, at 16, that that was like, I, I've missed the boat, which is crazy. That was 16 years ago. So you've yeah. been playing for as long as you haven't been playing. Yep. Yep. And it, I, it's a perfect kind of segue into the main topic because I did think I'm out of time already at 16, you know, and that just yeah. goes to show what your mindset can be when it comes to like, being a perfectionist and and thinking that, oh, well, I'm already behind, so I might as well not even try versus let's give this a shot and see what happens. Right. Yeah. How did that shift happen for you from that achievement oriented brain? I know that for for me, I can get very perfectionisty about any pursuit of mine. And so I almost, okay, I don't know if this is your experience, but for me, I've almost tried to guard my art from that part of myself, like the part of me that wants mm. to be 
good. Mm. Sometimes that sucks the joy out of creating or, you know, like I, like one thing that I always, that I experienced was like not wanting to take an art class because it wouldn't be fun anymore. Right. Um, and, but obviously you got over that because you took, went to this program for guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I'll disclose. I don't think I'm completely over the perfectionist or achievement complex by any means. But you're aware. Being aware is a big step. <laughs> that is a, that really helps. And um, yeah, for one thing, I, I love that I went to school. And I think there are a lot of musicians who don't want to learn music theory and don't want to do serious training because they think it's going to limit them mm -hmm. somehow. And that has not been my experience at all. I think that with the right attitude, they're just tools to keep growing. And mm -hmm. so I think facing that, um, and, and I think this ties into the topic because, yeah, it's like if you start judging what you're doing is right and wrong and like learning the rules, then it would be very easy to, to start shutting down and not wanting to show up in an imperfect way or potentially play a wrong note mm. or whatever. If you don't know what the right and wrong notes are, then it's Just, a lot easier yeah, <laughs> not right. to play any wrong ones. Um, but uh, for me, it wasn't like, I think with the right attitude, those, it's just the more knowledge you have, the better. I mean, Beethoven and John Coltrane, you know, were not limited by their Right, their <laughs> knowledge. technical knowledge, yeah. right. But, um, you know, th maybe this is a time to bring up something that we've talked about already. Um, a, a really key part of my story is that I am in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction, and that was just a massive, massive shift when I got sober. I had to change a lot of attitudes, and it, it also forcibly changed a lot of my attitudes about life. And I think for me, I've the way I look at it, and without getting into like all the gory details of the story, but for college and then the few years after. So I actually went to music school for one year and then I left and I kind of bottomed out on my drug and alcohol addiction and then I got sober and then I went back for another wow. year. And I think that when I got sober, um, you know, it, it was really bad <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> what happened. Uh, it, it wasn't pretty and really I was close to death. I mean, that sounds dramatic but I I really was and I think that feeling I, I truly believe that I've been given a second chance at life wow and that just changes everything like if I look at my behavior because I knew what I was doing was wrong you know I knew that what I was doing was wasting my life and not respecting the life that I've been given and to, um, to be given, I, I truly believe that I, I deserve to be dead. That's what I'm trying to spit out. I mean, like if you really look at my behavior, it's like, this isn't the behavior of someone who wants <laughs> life and to be given a second chance. It's like everything becomes kind of gravy. You know, it's like, fuck it. Like, let me start, let me, yeah, I'll do music now. And it, it did take me a while to fully embrace that, but it was like, 
yeah, you know, whatever. Like I should be dead. I'll be a rock musician, you know, like what's the worst that can happen? You know, sure. I'll put out this thing, even though I think, you know, I'm going to be much better later because, um, the time is now, you know, I wasted my twenties. I really did. And it's like, I just have an urgency that I think is a positive urgency that feels like, you know, now is the time. Um, I've been, I'm so blessed to be alive and to have support and to be able to do the things that I love. And so it really makes it easier for me to just go for it and not worry quite so much about the results and and what everyone's going to think. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I mean, that's such a, what a gift, like to have that, that near death experience. And it's something that you wake up every day and you're Jimmy Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life. You're like, <laughs> wait a second. My life is still happening. Like I get to I get to still live. Um, that's like a, a beautiful perspective. It's actually it's exactly like that. Um, <laughs> I, I saw It's a Wonderful Life. I saw it once when I was like 15 and then I saw it. A couple, two Christmases ago, I took my parents to see it at IFC Center on the big screen. Oh, that's and so great. It, I was not prepared for how moving it was. Mm. It, it felt like, and actually, it's so funny you bring that up, because when I, I, all I saw was recovery. That was like all I could see in the movie. Well, that's you know? what it, yeah. And it's like, yeah. And, and of course, I have days where I get down on myself or doubt myself or get anxiety or whatever. And then I just like you can take a step back and think, my God, I'm alive. I'm, uh, I'm pursuing my dreams. I, I have loving people in my life and, and it just puts things in perspective. And, you know, then the more you just put yourself out there, um, then you start to build some momentum and confidence and you can kind of balance out some of the intense achievement. Right. And it's, it's, and I guess I should disclose that I, I've also been through a recovery process myself for mostly for an eating disorder, but also I quit, I did quit drinking a year and a half ago, which is kind of linked to, I definitely was just like in an unhealthy place with, with alcohol and it wasn't serving my life. Um, and I, it's so, I, I love your perspective on like, it really does recalibrate everything. And it's not like looking at the world through these rose colored glasses. It's like taking, it's almost like removing a filter instead of adding one, you know, it's, it's almost like it can sound like, wow, everything in my life is perfect and great. The glass is half full, you know, like it it can sound like almost a false positivity sometimes. I mean, this is just from my own, like, I guess, judgment pre or during recovery or during parts of recovery, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds too good to be true. But like in reality, it's just looking at what is, what is real and what's actually important. It's almost like all of the other things like this, this achievement oriented perspective where you're like looking to get a certain accolade or like all these things that you're told are important actually aren't. And the only things that matter are like the, it's a wonderful life things where you're like, yeah, I do have a loving family. I have all this support. I have like this, these people who are right in front of me and like, I get to live this life. That is. Yeah. Absolutely. And I completely agree that it's not about everything being perfect or everything being great. 
in fact, that's a big part of my life philosophy and like my recovery philosophy is not avoiding pain Mm -hmm. because the old way was trying to be comfortable all the time. Yeah. And that for me um, is a dangerous and very, you know, I tend to take everything to the extreme. And once you get used to feeling comfortable, I mean, that's what drugs and alcohol were for me it was a way to control my feelings and to feel comfortable and safe um but the thing is is it's not safe it's safe in the moment you Mm -hmm. know you feel good in the moment but then your life is just not happening (laughs) you know the way that you want it to and so what ends up happening at least for me was there became this incredible gap this light years long gap between who I actually was and who I knew I could be and wanted to be. Mm. And even though, you know, I could medicate that gap, ironically by the thing that created the gap, you know, um, for a brief period of time, but it never went away. And it's like now um, it's completely different. You know, now I try to face the, I've, I've realized that facing discomfort in that so much of what my artistic life has been, you know, every step of the way has been uncomfortable. Every new thing mm. is like a little bit scary or uh, uncomfortable, anxiety inducing, what have you, you know, there are lots of ways to describe it. And um, so, you know, now um, it's all about facing that. And it's ironic that it's it's a paradox that I think facing discomfort is actually much more comfortable, you know, in the long run. Because, I mean, I have days where I'm really wound up trying to, you know, get all these things done and I'm putting myself out there. I mean, you know what it's like. I mean, when you put yourself out there, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard. And I have those days, but all of that, you know, doesn't even come close to the pain of not following your heart. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like, I would rather, you know, be uncomfortable every day doing what I believe in than live one more day where I knew I was turning my back on myself and my dreams and the people around me, you know, Mm because we're depriving the world of, of who we really are as well oh that's such a good way to put it because it's not it's sometimes like one of the blurts that can come up in my mind is like this is selfish you're very self-centered and you want everyone to look at you blah 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 but it's like no actually I just sharing ourselves with the world is a gift and uh, yeah wow I really relate to that the struggle of like facing myself I think like in a very immediate way I think that's that's something that I am struggling with right now um like I have I feel like that's a huge block for me in like stand-up for instance like even just like listening to myself like I have so much resistance around even just like facing like listening to myself do a set or something Mm. like that and then using that to you know make the next one better I'm just kind of like that I don't really want to know right now And yeah, I mean, and that's like a day to day thing, but it's, I mean, like just facing ourselves in that sort of way, um, 
but, but like, but you're, you're so right. It's almost, and also the anxiety around it is always worse than actually doing it. Once you're doing it, it's not such a big deal. Um, like you were saying, it's always like the anxiety and buildup beforehand is what will really get you. Yeah, completely. And I'm the same way. Like it, it still is sometimes, especially live performances, um, hard for me to go back and watch, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd rather just, it's like, oh, I think it was pretty good. Like, let's just assume it was pretty good. You yeah. Know? Like I lived through yeah, it. People, Everyone, people clapped. I mean, yeah. yeah, like it was good. But, um, this is where I, I've taken someone of a quote unquote exposure therapy approach to yeah. this stuff of just like, so with singing. So I didn't sing until a few years ago at all. And was that after you got sober? Mm-hmm. It was like a, about like a year and a half or so after I got sober, I was sitting around one day and I was like, you know, I was, I was really embracing this idea of trying to live my life as if I had no fear, you know, mm. what things would I be doing today if I had no fear? You know, of course I do, but if you had none, what would your to-do list be, you know? Yes. And it's like, okay, well now you've, you've made it. Now you have to just go do that. You know? Yeah. Like and <laughs> so like one day I was, I was thinking, well, dude, if you could sing, you know, if you could be the front man and singer, or maybe not even always be the front man, but like if you, if singing was something you could do and singing your own songs uh, was something you could do, would you want to do that? And I thought, you know, of course I would. And then I thought, man, well, I've got to start, you know, taking voice lessons. So wow, I did. And, um, yeah, so, like, when I started singing, I mean, every single day, like, and still to this day, my main singing practice is singing either something of my own or often, like, to karaoke tracks, and then I just go back and listen to it and critique it, and when you just do that every day, you know, it just becomes less annoying, but <laughs> yeah. it's still, sometimes it's, it's not the most fun thing, but one more note just on, like, sharing with others because yeah it can seem self-centered or egotistical like oh you know I have all this great stuff that I need to share with the world that they need to hear and all that and something that's helped me with that is it's not only the stuff that we're sharing that helps other people but it's the fact that we are sharing that helps other people mm. you know like it when I see someone like you performing stand-up and talking about these very vulnerable things and some awkward things and even offensive things I mean, all these different stuff all the different things that stand-up comedians talk about it's like wow look at that freedom you know look at you know I'm bottling all this stuff up and I've actually been really inspired by a lot of the comedy I've been seeing lately for that reason it's like and when I see Jimi Hendrix or whatever I may or may not want to play just like him or be able to play just like him, but I see this person expressing themselves with such passion, you know, and, and you, it just resonates and you think, man, like, you know, I wonder if that's inside me and whether it's as a musician or in a completely other discipline or even just living life, walking around the street and talking to other people, what would it be like to live with that freedom mm. that Jimi Hendrix has, you know? So it's, we're an example to others as well when we do this that's stuff. That's such a great, that's a, such a great point. And it's this, um, yeah. And that's one of the, my favorite, I can't think of the, the quote itself, but the idea, cause it's, it's not about like, oh, I think I'm 
I'm great because I have this. Like everyone has access to this channel of creativity and their own um, higher power or their own power, you know, whatever you want to call that creative force, that like life force that comes out of people that you can recognize. You recognize when, you know, Jimi Hendrix is playing something that comes from his heart, you know, like and when people are expressing themselves in their truest forms, you know, you can really no matter whether like whether or not you relate to what they're saying or what they're doing or you're like I yeah like I've never heard someone play the bagpipes before but I can just tell (laughs) that person is killing it and doing it from his like oh my gosh last night I actually the performance I I went to a performance after this very long day I went out to Brooklyn to see uh, my friend's husband play this awesome show and they they usually have like an eight-piece band and last night there were only four of the performers there and they decided to just improvise music for two hours and it was so like passionate and beautiful like you know there were of course like moments that maybe were like awkward or whatever but like when they found their groove and they were all you know it was just those moments were so much more powerful than anything that had been could have been pre-planned and recorded that's awesome. Yeah, that that's just a beautiful image. And that's the thing is like, and I really try to bring this into my art. And one could argue that it's not the correct approach. You know, there are other, I have friends who are much more focused on like technical perfection in performances and that's their, that's their take. But my favorite people are people like Jimi Hendrix and Jimmy Page. I have this argument about Jimmy Page with a couple people. I, I think Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin is just unbelievable because he takes incredible risks with his playing Mm -hmm. and like sometimes it doesn't work Mm -hmm. but like his peaks when it works i mean it is just absolutely transcendent and i think that that's what to me that's what is most beautiful about art is you take the risk and see what happens and yeah just one more note on the whole like example thing it just it helps to make it not so much about me i mean because even even saying that it's like it's still saying oh I'm setting an example or whatever but I think that you know just something I've learned uh, through the recovery process and just through life is like it's not all about me (laughs) and the world (laughs) is a big world and we all fit into it in these incredible ways and like I don't know if my destiny is to be on the cover of Rolling Stone 50 times or if my destiny is for this one guy this one friend of a friend who comes to my show to see it and think man you know I kind of want to write a song like that and then that kicks off this journey for him or whatever you know we Mm. have no clue how this crazy tapestry of life is playing out and just trying to trust that it does have meaning. I don't know what it is today or what the quote objective result of my work is going to be, but just trusting that it does have meaning and that whether I realize it or not or ever figure out what it is or not, it does. And I'm going to keep believing that. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's, oh, that's so beautiful. And it's the, this was something in recovery that really did transform the way I looked at art and creating um, that it, yeah, it isn't about, it isn't about me and it's not really me doing it. It's like, I, we all have a choice, you know, of following, of trusting and following 
the flow of life, you know, like the flow of like what feels like I have this inspiration to create something, I'm going to create it. And not trying to micromanage what it is we do. You know, we're not here to make art and then babysit it all, you know, like and and control Mm. how people are reacting to it. And, you know, we don't know what it's going to be, you know, it might be like, yeah, what, like you said, one person sees it and likes it or doesn't like it, but has a reaction. To it. <laughs> you know, it's like what, how it will that's be. That's the real purpose is for one person to not like it. Yes. <laughs> and that just will just. <laughs> and now it's going to set off a chain that, that saves the whole world. It will. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you never know exactly what, yeah, what purpose your art serves. But yeah, it's like trusting in, I mean, for, yeah, it's, it's a, cause, and I'm just thinking of, do you know Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? It's very artist way adjacent. Uh, I know who she is, but I, I don't know the work. Okay. Well, one thing it's, uh, that's kind of like her creativity manifesto and a big part of it is about her whole philosophy around creativity is that ideas come from this sort of magical place, but you could just say like, you know, they're, they're, uh, like an idea chooses you. It's an end and when you get if when creative inspiration takes hold of you, it's kind of like a responsibility to to let it out and let and express it. You know, so when you're inspired, it's actually just you are communing with this divine energy, essentially. Um and it's interesting. I mean, like it's, I, I, I absolutely like adore her and love her and, uh, want to be her best friend, but <laughs> I, uh, love that imagery and also just not, it's not just like coming to you. It's coming to like other people too. You know, like if you mm. don't use it, the idea is going to leave you and it's going to go somewhere else. <laughs> and so someone else is going to, um, and there's studies that suggest that that's true. Yeah, which like, is like really far out. It's so crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, like the morphogenic field. Like there's more than, yeah. And, you know, that brings up something I wanted to talk about, which is God. I mean, you brought up higher power and stuff before, but you know, trusting some sort of spiritual energy or plan. And, you know, I do believe in God. And I say up front, I don't know for sure whether God exists or not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know for sure. Um, the radical skepticism of my philosophy classes had an effect on me. I don't really believe in certain knowledge about things like that. Mm. Um, but I choose to trust that God exists or that there's some sort of plan mm. for everything. And... I do believe that everything happens for a reason. And I know that a lot of people balk at that because a lot of bad things happen. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how to explain that. Um, But I find a great comfort in trusting that everything is working out as it should, no matter what the evidence is. And that has been a huge part of having that faith. I couldn't have done the things I've done um, up to this point if I didn't have that faith Mm -hmm. because there's so many bumps in the road and, you know, it enables me to think, well, if this show goes disastrously, 
I guess that was just part of the plan, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that there's some uh, reason for it or what have you. It, al- it allows me to handle the ups and downs. And I mean, I don't have any sort of scientific proof that that's true, um, but it gives me a lot of comfort. And I find that in order to stay sane, I have to believe in that. And I do believe, like it sounds like Elizabeth Gilbert does, that there's some sort of um, inspiration going on. And, and I try to to hang on to that and allow it to to work through me, to believe that there's meaning in the things that we're doing. Yeah, wow, that's really beautiful and a really good reminder to look at the things that happen to us with less judgment and taking them less personally too. But like accepting and embracing that we are exactly where we need to be right now. Because accepting anything else is true just doesn't make any sense, you know, because like that's I think that that is where all of our suffering comes from is by thinking we should be somewhere other than where we are right now at this very moment. Right. Like that's where anxiety comes from, you know, worrying that we're not where we should be. It's like it's a very basic thing, whether or not you believe in God, trusting that at this very moment, you're exactly where you need to be is like the thing that's brought me the most comfort. Mm -hmm. So hearing you say that, it's just like, oh yeah, of course. That's like how we have to look at things because it's the only thing that's true. You know, like if you're like, no, I think I should be somewhere else. Obviously, you know, you can have, um, you can know that you're capable of things that might be, you know, like one day you might be, on the cover of Rolling Stones or you might, you know, you just, you have the idea, um, planted, but you know that like at this moment you're meant to be sitting on my couch talking <laughs> to me on my podcast. That's quite evident. And I am also <laughs> meant to be here. Yeah. And there's just so much like loving comfort that comes from that. Um, no matter what your belief is, I, I think it's just such a basic, I mean, and uh, and I that's I think that's been the window for for me personally into my own sp- spirituality is like uh, it, I don't know I grew up Catholic and so I sort of had these ideas about God that were impersonal to me because I learned about them in a very I don't know more like it was just a subject in school you know so um, I think for me my more intimate relationship with God and a higher power and um, just feeling connected to that flow involves really just grounding myself in, in the present moment, which sounds like, an, you know, it just, it sounds like a sound bite of like the present, the power of now, the present, <laughs> be here now. Sorry, I didn't mean to quote your favorite <laughs> book. <laughs> Plug the book. Alan, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Read Be Here Now. It's really good. Yeah, we'll have we'll have to make a little list for the show notes of all the things. Yeah. Well, I something that came to mind when you were speaking is that you hit on such a great point that faith comes in many forms. You know, I mean, we think the word faith often comes with some concept of a supreme being immediately afterward, I think, mm-hmm. in many people's minds. But it doesn't have to. I mean, I 
I like, and again, I don't know what God is. I mean, to me, that's just a word that means mm-hmm. I'm gesturing right now. You can't see it, but you know, <laughs> it to means everything, you know, this gesture or, of his hand. Above yeah, his head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's God. Definitely. Um, <laughs> like, you know, it means, um, it means existence. It means purpose. It means love. It means all the things that, that matter, uh, to us. Um, but faith can, can just be the faith to take an action. You know, I mean, the faith that I can take this action and it's going to be okay. The faith that I can take this action and it's going to move me forward or I'm going to learn something from it. And I mean, that just calls to mind how when I did get sober, I had absolutely nothing going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I, the, the end of my addiction story was just one of uh, great isolation and just inactivity and everyone has their different story you know a lot of people it ends with all this like chaos you know but for me it was just like very isolated and my life had become extremely small and I was so riddled with anxiety that um and you know through I mean everything is is a muscle I'm a real creature of habit so like when I'd gone six months without really doing any work you know, to do any work was like insane. It was like unfathomable, Mm -hmm. you know? And so literally someone suggested to me uh, around that time, he said, why don't you just, because I couldn't even pick up my guitar to practice at that point. I mean, I was that, like just the idea of noodling around was like, I don't want to face that right now. Yeah. So he was like, why don't you just play your guitar for five minutes a day. Just pick it up every day, even if it's just for five minutes. Then you can say, I played guitar today. And I was like, yeah, that actually makes sense. So that was my first goal. So I started, I had the faith that this could turn into something, you know, that if I start here, because I don't know about you, but I think I want to go from nothing to the cover of Rolling Stone or whatever my, you know, egotistical achievement based vision of what it's going to look like is going to be uh, in a couple weeks, you know, tops. Well, obviously you could <laughs> uh, do that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's like, I trust mm. that if I pick this up for five minutes, that's the last thing I'm what five minutes, that's nothing that, but it's mm, everything It is because yeah. it's doing it. It's getting started. And then, you know, I went from there to, it wasn't long. I, I don't think I ever played for five minutes. I always played longer than that. Cause once yeah. I just got started, you know, get into it. And then, uh, you know, before long I was practicing, you know, a couple hours a day, which felt like unbelievable, you mm-hmm. know, to me at that point. And I was going back to school and I was actually showing up for my classes and giving it a solid effort and the best that I could at the time, which wasn't nearly as good as it would be now, but that's how it goes. You got to be where you are. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I started singing and then I joined, another person's band and I played my first public performance and then I started writing and these are all, you know, months, you know, two to eight months apart or whatever, you know, all these steps. And, you know, then I, I posted my first public recording on Facebook, you know, of me playing. And it's like every single one of those steps was absolutely horrifying. And now Mm. every single one of those things is like something I do every day and that I look forward to. You know, but I had to to start and get out of that comfort zone. And I think so much of it, like for me, faith, I must have faith in order to get out of my comfort zone. And I think that so much of life and art is about 
getting out of that comfort zone. And, you know, now the good news is like there's so much that's in my comfort zone, but now I have to keep pushing even hard. You know, what's next? You know, got to keep looking, looking forward. And there's always going to be something else. There's always somewhere to grow. There's always the fear list that's actually the to-do list. I love that. Yeah. You know, you make your list of fears and like, oh, surprise, that's actually your to-do list. <laughs> right. That's a good way. Psych. Psych. Flipperoo. I actually did a similar thing. I, after rereading The Artist's Way, I did The Artist's Way about five years ago and then I did it again last year I think I'm on like chapter four as of recently are you really I think I'm gonna jump I think I'm gonna dive back in myself soon but yeah it's always a good one to redo um and yeah for me the fearless because uh in in the artist way Julia Cameron has you make all kinds of lists and they're so good to get out of your head you know you're just like okay list 10 alternate lights lives you would have if you didn't have this life or what I love that one would you do yeah really interesting it's so fun. And you have to list 10. So you end up coming up with these things you would not. Yeah. What were yours? Well, the what I'm thinking of. Okay. Figure skating was one. That's why I have figure skates. Nice. <laughs> I like decided to just <laughs> buy them because they're it's free to go figure skating at uh, Bryant Park. Or it's, if you have your own skates. So I was like, I'll go more often. If that's um, not higher power giving you. That was just, yeah, (laughs) like, it's possible, so you must do it. Um, But mine, one that I realized came up five years ago and a year ago was singing. I was terrified of singing. So, like, what would you do if you're afraid to do it, you know, if if you had no fear? And so that's when I was like, you know what, Kate, you really got to just do this. I think it's a huge block because I realized it wasn't just about singing. It was about being able to realize I can do this thing that I've been petrified of doing like singing in front of people even just singing alone with myself and like recording myself you know um I actually sang into um towels when (laughs) I was first um took voice lessons like I was so self-conscious about like neighbors or anybody hearing me that I sang like at the wall like two inches away from a bunch of towels oh my gosh yeah, I would do. That's like, see, now I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, my neighbors have heard such ridiculous. <laughs> That's okay. I hear them having sex all the time. So it's fun. They can hear me singing about, I don't know. They can hear me singing Bruce Springsteen's I'm on fire 20 times nice. on a Saturday. Um, but wait, I wanted backing up to God. I feel like I had so many things I wanted to interject. Also, Please. I loved your EP so much. Thank you for giving me the preview. Thank you. Um, and one of the thing, one of the songs, I, for, I just love, it's very, it's so funny, but also like everything you write is so true and also so you. And um, thank you. You had, you'd kind of given me a little just, preview or you do just mentioned that a lot of your lyrics are very literal and you know because there's the the way of writing where you're like this is sort of abstract and like you might get what I'm saying but with you you can really get what you're saying (laughs) one of my favorites was well there's the man song which was just great um just a lot of yeah uh I mean I could I could talk about that for a long time but also God versus girlfriend Mm classic that was hilarious it was so funny but also I'm like yeah did you write that at a time when you had a girlfriend 
I don't remember actually, but it wasn't about anyone specific, right? You know, um, yeah, that one's a favorite, and I really enjoy, you know, not to you have a lot more to say, so I don't want to like go off, but so I mentioned being a writer, and I didn't, I've never been a lyrics person, but I've always loved literature, and I've always loved philosophy and like writing jokes and all these things, and then when I started writing lyrics, it was just like, wait this is writing like because I always felt bad that I wasn't a writer it's like man I wish I could be a writer also and then it's like wait I can be (laughs) I can write the lyrics you're like I write so I'm writing yeah (laughs) Yeah. like it's so that's uh, honestly yeah like listening to your EP was encouraging for me you talk about I mean you were talking about like how other people might be influenced by your art and for me I was like I could also write lyrics like I write all the time and it's like that whole thing it's like a song doesn't have to be our idea of a song it can literally be the song that wants to come out of you and all of these songs felt like they were very authentic to you and very true to who you are thank you that's really nice of you to say it it means a lot and I really strive for that and I was telling so I teach guitar lessons also and uh, I'm teaching a really close friend of mine uh, lately and he's working on his first song and um He's, as we all do, you know, well, I won't say all people, but, you know, he's not sure what to write about, you know, in his Mm. first song. And I was like, you know, just when I write, I don't think about like, what should this song be about? It's just ideas. It's the same ideas that I find interesting in conversation. It's the same things I would want to write an essay about or write a joke about. You know, it's like it doesn't have to be, you know. A tradition. I mean, what uh, what a traditional quote song lyric should be, like you said. It's just um, I try to take inspiration from whatever, and and realizing that there's an outlet for humor in there, and I try to have it like be really serious and also funny. You know, tackling like intense topics, but then some a lot of tongue in cheek also, and it's just been so much fun to explore. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah, like but. the <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the titles even just like the titles of your songs are so like are muslims good or must or is it are muslims bad right yeah the the title is are muslims good or or are muslims bad oh it is that's the title the whole title yeah okay good yeah but it tackles other topics like are women good or are women bad like another good question (laughs) that is the question and you know it was funny my bassist pointed this out to me that he said you know a lot of your songs are questions and I love that and I didn't even realize that but it's true on the EP three of the songs like the main chorus is a question you know on um are Muslims good or are Muslims bad I don't answer that question um on uh the man song, you know, what did you mean or um, what was your plan when you called me a man? You know, and I don't answer the question. Mm. Um, and then what's the other one? Oh, God versus girlfriend, you know, just God or girlfriend. So I'm not yeah, just a classic question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, yeah. Coffee or tea, Pepsi or Coke, God or girlfriend. Yeah. I was also I was like God or girlfriend. And I was like, you know, I think in a perfect world you can have both. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. Um but yeah, it's uh, so I think and that's what great comedy does, too, is like it provokes thought. And um, I'm someone I don't believe in a lot of I think the truth in life is usually things that we can express in mm. words. 
and so and it's often paradoxical and whatnot and so asking questions you know and through telling stories and like comedians do like i saw you do recently and through um asking questions just bringing up provocative ideas uh we can we can start dialogue and i did I chose a, a lot of the songs on the EP are some of the most provocative I've written because I'm hoping that they'll provoke people <laughs> to listen. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like I want to put out like something where someone reads the title and they're like, oh, what's that? Are Muslims good or are Muslims bad? Like that's can we, we can talk about that. Like <laughs> there's at least going to be like a Vox article written about you <laughs> so or like least. a buzzfeed article <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. <laughs> but you wanted to talk about god speaking of god versus girlfriend i think you had some more to say did i have more god. to say i don't know i think i think i just had wanted to talk about your ep and we glossed over it at first and it's, it's uh, yeah i just uh i just wanted to tell you i really liked it <laughs> <laughs> but also and i feel like one thing is that I feel like you are really being yourself on the EP, mm. which is so refreshing and wonderful. And I, I like for me when I when you see somebody, I think this goes back to somebody fully expressing their art, whatever that is, whether or not you resonate with it, you can kind of tell when someone's like being themselves mm. and just expressing that to the fullest. And I just wanted to know, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And I, that is what I, I try to do, you know, very intentionally. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to do sometimes. And that was one of the things. So when I started writing music, I started having this um, mild sense of panic that if I write the things I really want to write about, like everyone from high school might, you know, and of course this is assuming everyone's going to listen to my stuff, which they're not, but it's like, you know, my parents, I want to share my music with my parents. I want to share my music with my family, people from high school, college, everybody, the whole world, you know, could potentially, it's out there, you know? And so if I write things about super personal topics or controversial topics, um, what's going to happen, you know, like how, and, and that was a real, like, I remember when I, I posted a demo uh, of Are Muslims Good or Are Muslims Bad on Facebook once, and I was like, that was another step out of the comfort zone. I was like, what's going to happen here? And it um, the first comment was from this guy, and he said, like, uh, surely this is a joke, was his comment. And I, I, I actually loved that comment because I was like, well, first, I can't respond. It's like, well, if you think it's a joke, I mean, like, the, don't call me the Shirley. song's right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, putting out my point being like digging deep and 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 expressing those vulnerable things uh, or things that you're worried about uh, uh, what the reaction will be is is definitely hard. And I think that Though, again, it gets back to earlier. It's so worth it, though. It's so much better <laughs> to live that way. And for me, like, my art is not separate from my life, or I try to not make it at all. I mean, mm -hmm. every conversation I have, every book that I read, every walk around the park, you know, all these things, my relationships, my faith, like, my my own views of myself, um, I it's my hope, it's my goal to make my music both 
the lyrics and the music itself, you know, when I'm playing a guitar solo, like I want to put my passion that I have for life or for, you know, another person or whatever into that music. And um, it's like you can't write stuff <laughs> that's who you are if you don't know who you are. You know, you're not trying to find who you are. And I really recoil from inauthenticity in music more and more these days. And but then there's also examples kind of like you were saying earlier, like I really love Rage Against the Machine mm. and their topics, they're very political, which even though some of my tunes are pretty like they're definitely some social commentary, but um, I'm not I don't think of myself as a very political person and their tunes are very political. They're about a very specific group of people that I don't I haven't really engaged with that much in my life. It's not really my fight that they're fighting, but I love that they're fighting that fight yeah like so hard like <laughs> they like are all fucking in you know with yes. their and it's like wow and i love it even yeah. if i you know may i don't know if i agree with all their views but i love that they believe that so and i feel it you mm. know in everything that they do so uh and you know i was just thinking earlier today like um you know i listened to your podcast episode where you were talking a lot about becoming yourself and being your true self and I mean what's scarier than being yourself you know uh, I think there's really nothing scarier than that because I was thinking about this too like if you're playing a game if you're putting on a front whether it's in art or like in dating or in whatever um, then if it doesn't succeed then you put on the wrong front you know you can say well the game I didn't make the right moves I didn't you know I didn't um, I didn't seduce the people properly, whether it's artistically, friendship, romance, whatever. If you are just truly authentic and it doesn't work out, then like it was you. <laughs> it was, oh my gosh, yes. You know, and yes. there's nothing to hide behind. But mm. then again, it's just so worth it. And I found the more, I mean, it's a lifelong journey, but just the more that I've tried to cultivate authenticity in everything, music, relationships, the way I communicate, everything, it's like, yes, there are awkward moments. Yes, it hurts when things don't go as well as you want, but the rewards are just infinitely greater, you know, and um, it's just so worth it to take that risk, I think. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's such a great risk, but a great, yeah, oh my God, the risk of being yourself, because if you, yeah, if you get, if you get rejected, then it's, it, that's the ultimate facing yourself. Right, yeah, you don't have anything to hide behind. Like, oh, that's because I wasn't, yeah, being the right. You just said it perfectly. I don't know why I'm trying to paraphrase it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Yes, I, uh, I'm i really sad because I think we have to stop stop talking for the sake of our, our faithful listeners. Yes. We, we don't want to make you be here more than an hour. We want to leave them wanting more. We want to leave you wanting more. And trust us, there's more. And my middle name is actually Moore, which I've now brought up <laughs> like five times in the last few days. But um, And I've been there for several times of the bringing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can attest. There might have been a couple more, too. I believe it. Um, more <laughs> Moores. But uh, yes, um, there's so, so much more to talk about. There is more. But how about you? And can we end with you telling people how to find your stuff and how to follow you in uh, the world? That would be great. Um so my name's Alan Childs, as was mentioned. Uh, the best way to find me is 
my band's website, www.nowbandnyc.com. And the EP is coming out June 29th, and that'll be available on all major platforms, CDs, etc. Um, now Band NYC is my Instagram and Facebook handle as well. And um, it's just been such a such a joy and, and honor to talk to you today and, and these are such important topics and I hope that what I've said has helped somebody and I know that you're helping so many people by being you and by sharing so generously of yourself through this podcast and in your art. Well thank you for saying that Alan and I you've already helped me by being here and talking with me. I feel renewed and excited about life so thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>